This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall. Uh, joining me today uh, in the studio uh, is Steve Mareska and Matt Fasaro, as always. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey. Uh, and joining remotely uh, is uh, Ken Grossberger. He's the uh, Vice President and Chief Consultant at Elite Investigations. Uh, he's got a, a PhD, uh, and he is uh, part of Elite, who is a security company located in Yonkers, New York. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. Hi. Uh, so today we're going to we're going to actually talk a little bit about um, an area that we probably don't cover a lot. Uh, I think as as we chat internally here, but uh, you know more uh, risk management. I think. Outside of the cyberspace, uh, maybe a little bit more into the into the physical space. I think Ken, that's what the you know, that's that's your area of expertise. So um, I'd like maybe you spend a minute on you know introducing uh, kind of that concept a little bit, and, and we'll segue from there. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Um, yes, um, physical risk assessments, physical risk security, basically is all encompassing. We talk about enterprise security risk management. And as a general practitioner in the field, um, I obviously rely on the expertise of uh, folks like yourselves, subject matter experts who have in-depth knowledge and experience to um, see things others might not. And obviously what we're attempting to do is catch problems while they're small, keep them less expensive and uh, eliminate if possible and mitigate as necessary, but basically to make sure that we are taking care of our clients and um, making sure they're safe. So the you know the partnership between Vancord Elite is is really beneficial for I think clients on both sides, right? We don't we don't bring uh, a, a real deep background in you know doing sort of physical plant assessments, right? We through some of the regulatory requirements we we might do a, a cursory review, but our expertise is definitely in that you know cybersecurity space, the cyber risk management. Um, I think you know the the ability for you to utilize us uh, when you've got some issues like that, and I think reciprocally for us to actually lean on you is, is has been great so far. Um, the I, I think people have probably heard us talk enough about the cyber side. Uh, you know, describe what a physical security assessment might look like uh, from your perspective, and how those engagements often go. A physical uh, risk assessment, uh, threat assessment. Uh, there's a difference. One might be more safety. One might be more physical risk. Isn't just a check the box kind of uh, exercise. Although we do checklists, we're looking to make sure first of all we're subscribing to the needs of the client, what they're requesting. Um, we generally like to take comprehensive look, even if um, the risk is fairly narrow. I'll give an example: there's a, a physical breach in security. There's people entering a facility that shouldn't be or there's folks getting injured, or there's just a general kind of assessment where we're looking in a comprehensive way at uh, everything that might happen, everything from brand risk to uh, reputation risk, safety risk, and of course, cyber risk. And if we come across things where we need to go deeper, um, it behooves us professionally and ethically to bring in legitimate experts, legitimate subject matter, folks like yourselves, uh, to make sure that we, we get it right. And um, just again, uh, it, we live in a very complex world. Things are fast changing. Uh, one cannot know everything. And, and the need for particular expertise is real, relevant, 
and of course, uh, timely. The, so you're actually talking about a, a couple of things in there that, uh, we probably should cover, right? The, the idea of reputational risk, uh, certainly we talk about that, uh, as it relates to website defacements or, you know, incident response and some of the, some of the potential notification fallout there. Uh, what is, what is reputation, what kind of things impact reputation, uh, that you see on a regular basis? Well, we're talking about damage done and how that's um, measured. Um, usually it's subjective, but when we see, uh, and we, we deal with a lot of major companies, a lot of major uh, brands like as you do, and they're very concerned about their public perception. And if uh, you know, something happens, or people are you know, getting injured or something like that, something is occurring, uh, there's losses of some kind, whether it's loss prevention, or um, some sort of damage being done. Obviously, it's difficult to recover a brand in that nature. And given the amount of uh, investment that these large companies and these well-known companies uh, ha have uh, put into their, their names and their goodwill, uh, they depend on us as the experts to come in and help them offset whatever damage has been done and to put in the rearview mirror as fast as possible. And again, if we see something in your world we are going to certainly bring you in to make sure that the client's reputation is intact. And if there was an issue that it's recovered and that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel especially like today, uh, reputation is so fragile with a lot of companies. So you do anything wrong, it's, it's on social media, it's in news, it, you know, this, this information gets spread so quickly. These days that protecting reputation is probably a lot more important than ever. It, I mean, it's an interesting point, right? Because for sure, a, a single a single customer uh, can can spread a lot of information really quickly nowadays, which they couldn't before. Now, do do you find Ken that you know reputation is driving a lot of the requests that you get, or you know what what's your main driver that people come to you for? Yeah, it, it definitely reputation is one of the keys. Um, if, even if they they'll have an internal loss, something happens, they don't want it to go public. Uh, that requires a very confidential type of investigation or assessment. Find out what's wrong and fix it fast. Um, obviously, confidentiality is key in our industry. And um, we've got to make sure that the client is, is taken care of. Again, large companies, major names that everyone knows, even names that people don't know. You get a, well, you know you've done it before. Uh, commercial office buildings, real estate companies, law firms, they're very, very concerned that somehow there's a public perception that is not so good. You can kill a market in a hurry, as you suggested before. News travels incredibly quickly and bad news travels the fastest. <laughs> For sure. So, so what are some common uh, risks that, that you encounter? Like, you know, common denominators that you experience if there are some hot button items that, that you can share? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with personnel and, and folks doing things they shouldn't be doing. Give you a typical, a typical one. Someone accuses somebody of sexual harassment. True or not true, the damage is done. Usually it's a career ender, and nobody wants to be in the wrong end of a courtroom on this stuff. So our job is to go in and make sure that we, we can understand what the issues were and uh, help offset it. Other kinds of things, just in terms of pure physical risk, is again, uh, entry control, um, failure to follow the rules, safety stuff, things like that. Um, one injury, one break-in, one kind of a loss, 
uh, can can really uh, build its way into uh, quite a difficult situation for a client. Um, on your end, if you've got folks, even same, same things like stealing laptops, um, somebody breaching um, security in, in their programs, hacking things of this nature, um, you can you can roll up a reputation in a hurry, as you know. And uh, that's where we come in and you come in uh, to make sure that the client has a sense that this problem can be solved as quickly and as quietly as possible. I, I heard you mention loss prevention in passing earlier. Is is that really in, in the context where you're using it, loss of goods, uh, intellectual property, you know, tangibles associated with the business and, you know, its actual sales to a customer base? Where's that land? Well, the answer is, is yes, um, it's all of that. Um, we think of loss prevention primarily in terms of retail, let's say, where goods are stolen. They talk about shrinkage, which is defined as the difference between inventory and what got sold. Something happened. It got stolen. It got broken. Something, inventory uh, miscalculation, something like that. But in the broader sense, loss prevention um, is, is part of loss control, which is anything that might occur. That, that I think, broadly defines the client's risk and our involvement in making sure that risk is uh, properly mitigated or offset completely. Do you find that you get involved in any way in, uh, say, insurance policy reviews or anything like that uh, as part of risk mitigation? Yes. Yeah. Um, somehow we become insurance experts along the way. And yeah, us too. Fine yeah. yeah. So, you know, you know what happens. You, you see something deep into a contract, some, some offset was in there and Somebody try to make the uh, the policy rating a little cheaper, and let's eliminate this. Let's eliminate that. And sure enough, an event occurs where you've got that exclusion staring in the face, and then it's pure risk because it's the client against the world. There's no transferring the risk to the insurance company. So we do review that. It's part of what we do. And again, like as we do with you, if we feel we um, have questions, we certainly will reach out for an expert. I'm curious in in cyber insurance at least. Um, the presence of a prior incident has a tendency to make carriers more likely and willing to engage because it means that corrective action has occurred. Do you find that that is a similar uh, pattern in your world or, or not quite the case? Yeah, as you know, um, insurance ratings are quite complex. Underwriters have to take everything into account. Depends on what they're using. Three-year averaging method on losses, they're looking at loss runs all the time, but you've got a point in terms of um, knowing that the risk has already been somehow corrected or offset, uh, that would account uh, for part of it. Um, but as you know, in insurance, if, if a pattern is developed or there's a, uh, you know, a large hit over the past three to five years, that's going to affect uh, the ratings negatively. But then again, as you say, is we can come back and say, yeah, but we did something about it. And the probability of that, that uh, particular event occurring again is very minimal. Therefore, you know, maybe we put uh, the rating back in good standing for the client. Our, so I, I want to return to a, a question that um, I, I sort of uh, briefly alluded to at the beginning. Uh, you know, we, we just recently recorded a, a podcast where we talked about security fundamentals and really tried to have a discussion about, you know, the things that every single business should be doing to enhance their security program. Many of the things that we talked about were, were free elements, like really, really basic things. Um, you know, from your perspective, is there anything that you feel every business should do to reduce their risk, right? You know, 
low cost, maybe low effort, but things that you see missed regularly that, that cause problems? Yeah, certainly a number of things. Number one, have a, uh, some sort of security safety policy or program. Easy to do. Uh, security and awareness. Uh, if you see something, say something. Have places to go for that information. An email box. Um, Some place where folks can say, um, I have some concern. Make sure that uh, security and safety training are part of any new hire package. Um, Have quarterly uh, or semi-annual reviews, periodic reviews making sure in just in terms of pure safety, making sure that people are aware of their, um, the means of egress that you have evac drills at least once a year periodically enough. Um, the whole concept of awareness, I think is critical. Um, your security safety plan isn't something that should be sitting in the bottom of a drawer should be readily available. And uh, I think periodically reviewed. So if security safety risks become part of the corporate mission, the company mission, the organization mission, there's a far better chance of something not happening or um, initiating mitigation steps before um, the consequences become disastrous. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned security awareness, or sorry, just awareness training, right? Uh, you, having people who understand the requirements of a business, understand what's expected of them, understand where to, where to stand, you know, in a fire drill, like, you know, they don't have to be complicated things, but so much of this does come down ultimately to communicating to employees, uh, the things that are expected of them or, or the potential risks that a company might be concerned about. It's exactly the same on the, on the cybersecurity side. There's no difference there at all. Yeah. I mean, simple things, uh, cybersecurity training, uh, Knowing uh, what emails to open up and not, what attachments not to open up, knowing when you've been hacked. I mean, some folks just blindly move forward and open up things and click, next thing you know, click their everything. computer gets checked so. Yeah. Then, of course, then they really do need you because we've got a big problem. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we tend to uh, fall into a storytelling mode occasionally to share some things that are helpful for our customers. And I'm I'm wondering if there's any you know, sufficiently generic, but still helpful story that you can uh, share that would exemplify your business, something that really, really communicates core competency and, and what you can deliver. Um, yeah, let me give you, uh, let me give you one, an institutional one. We do a lot of work for religious organizations and one is, let's just say a, a soup kitchen. And the issue there is that they, they want folks to come in. And very often, uh, the folks that are coming in are the folks that you would normally defend against. So you're violating every precept of access control because you don't have access control. You have um, folks coming in. So what we do then, of course, is, um, first of all, we have to be always conscious, as you are, of the uh, client's budget and culture. Those are two of the variables that are going to drive decision-making in terms of whether or not to spend on security and what to spend on. So in those cases, in this particular, one particular instance, um, we had to actually embed one of our officers on an undercover basis to make sure that if something happens, someone is readily present. We didn't want a police uniform. We didn't want uh, an overt presence because that might've, you know, uh, uh, taken a different tack with our culture. Another quick story, um, we uh, also defend a lot of large malls. And this one particular case, there was a funky valve in their fire safety system. 
And um, this thing used to go off. And if, if, if the, it read a low pressure system, a condition, and it, it set off the entire alarm system for an entire mall. Now, we couldn't tell people to just, you know, ignore it, but we had to evacuate the entire mall, 5,000 shoppers and 600 staff. Um, obviously, in that particular case, uh, we said, you know, we better bring in some, some folks that know what they're doing with fire safety systems and fix this is not something you can ignore. In that particular case, we were worried less about uh, budget and more about just uh, the look for the mall. You don't want to be in a mall that, where the alarm's going off and the, the, <laughs> the strobes are blinking, things like that. That's, that's not a fun day at the, at the store. The, yeah, I, I personally really appreciate the story about the soup kitchen because I think it does demonstrate just how important it is to really understand your clients, right? And, and risk prevention, prevention is different for every business. And I think the tolerance or the needs are going to be different. So you know, understanding that and building programs that make sense for individual clients, uh, it was certainly important to us. And, and, and I think it's, it's helpful for people to recognize that it's not a one-size-fits-all practice, right? Not at all. Um, as you know, in, in your work, you've got to customize your solutions. They've got to also, your client has to be, uh, have confidence in your reputation that you can help them, uh, that you truly are interested in, um, in what's going on and that um, you, you are going to get to the right solution at the right time and within their means and um, that there is going to be a positive outcome and in the future they can rely on you. Uh, to come back uh, just in case, or even just for a tune-up or whatever the services are required to make sure that things don't happen. Um, yeah, and, and I think you know, I, I hear a phone going off, so maybe you're getting a, a, a client reaching out now with a, with a potential problem, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody needs cybersecurity. So. <laughs> uh, so on that note, though, I think you know, we, we want to end always by sort of, you know, letting our listeners know that if they wanted to talk a little bit more about just generalized risk management, either on the you know the cyber side or you know say the more traditional say business risk or physical physical risk side, um, you know to reach out to us um, on LinkedIn at Vancord or at Twitter at Vancord Security. We can keep talking. Um, if uh, we if we get some some inquiries, Ken, we're we're happy to have you back. We can kind of keep the conversation going a bit. Uh, any last thoughts before we do adjourn? Um, just just uh, an overall comment. Uh, I'm in the industry over 40 years. You all have your own um, lengthy experience and it's not just um, the amount of information. It's our ability to digest and translate that into positive action for clients. Cause we've seen these transactions, not hundreds, but thousands of times. And um, the, 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 um, the ability to bring that expertise and that experience to assist clients, I think goes beyond the profit motive. It gives us a, a personal sense of satisfaction that we are helping our clients in a very positive way. So there's a professional satisfaction. I think that means as much to us as the dollars and cents. And I mean, that, that's a sentiment that we can certainly appreciate and, 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 and share. So uh, I think that's a great way to close. Um, and on that note, you know, we hope that that folks got value out of this uh, slightly different perspective from what we normally bring. Uh, uh, so and if anybody has any questions, as always, feel re feel free to reach out to us uh, and we can keep the conversation going. But Ken, thanks for joining. We appreciate your time today. Good. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.